the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Back Wednesday, July 14th, 2021, I was um, so, uh, gosh darn, busy today running uh, running uh, from meeting to meeting. I was unable to put together a monologue. I talked to my uh, producer, Bill, about this. He says, don't do a monologue. Come into the show hot, and um, it makes your monologues even all the more special if you take a break from them once in a while. Well, we'll do, uh, we'll do that, and I don't know if, if uh, we'll continue with them uh, exclusively every day or not. I won't do one today, and you guys can let me know whether you like them every day or not and if you want me to keep doing them. But on the way into work, coming off one of my meetings, many of you know I'm uh, involved uh, with a organization in town called Not My Kid, which is uh, first and foremost a substance abuse prevention organization that deals with all forms of self-harm children may or may not engage in. Uh, and our job is to uh, keep them from to keep them in the may not column uh, in, in any 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 number of self harms, including substance abuse uh, to, uh, you know, harmful relationships, bullying, you name it. I, I, I was uh, coming from a meeting over at uh, Not My Kid at the same time that I was forwarded a headline from Washington, D.C. in the Washington Post. Let me just give you that headline. Drug overdose deaths soared to a record at 93,000 last year. Now, the reason that stuck in my head, the reasons are several fold. First and foremost, I um, last time I looked at national drug overdose rates and wrote a column on them, the death toll was 40,000. Okay? We're at 93,000. What is that, an increase of about 120, 125%? This is over the last 10 years. Over the last 10 years. Think about that. A 125% increase in drug overdose deaths. Now, let me just give you a little bit of perspective about this that was on my mind. For the last 48 hours, the president has been talking about violence in America, and he spends about 20% of every day over the last month talking about violence in America, mostly due to handguns, but violence in America nonetheless because as we all know, those numbers have, of course, spiked. Violent crimes have spiked all over this country. How many people die a year from handgun violence? The thing Joe Biden spends so much time on. How many people would you be surprised to learn that the answer is several fold less than drug overdoses in America? Would you be interested to know that it's something in the order of 20,000 people a year. 
20,000 compared to 90,000? And this time, all this time, is spent on the 20? Is there nothing to be said for the 90,000 plus? Is there nothing to be said for it? We know how to tamp down, don't we? We know when we want to how to deal with a problem, even in harsh terms. We were told our war against COVID was a war. Average age of death, COVID, over 80. And we upended society. Upended it. Some people still want to keep it upended. We upended society over a disease average age of death, 80. Drug overdose death average age much closer to 30, 35, depending on the state. 30 to 35, with a heavy emphasis on young people. Under COVID, we harmed people who were young. We harmed the under 18-year-old population severely and dramatically with everything that contributes Everything you could want that could contribute to the initiation of substance use or substance abuse or relapse, everything we could possibly do to contribute to that exacerbation, we did. What would some of those things be? How about take your parents' job from them? Put economic and financial stress on the family. How about that? How about disrupting That's not the right word, actually. Disrupting is the wrong word. How about completely upending, completely revolutionizing our children's educational and social lives by taking them out of their schools, keeping them away from their friends, pitting friend against friend based on how the family and the public eye was handling not the big lie, but the big fear. You want your children healthy and you want them tired. You usually want them engaged in some form of club, group, or athletic activity. We stopped that. Boy, did we fast. Oh, yes, I forgot. If you were one of the lucky few percents who already had a substance abuse problem and were in recovery, we stopped your 12-step meetings too. And while at it, we would close churches and synagogues and mosques. Every condition you could possibly create if you wanted to cause a youth Substance abuse problem we did in the name of saving people who were 80. Meanwhile, we know, we know darned well what the root causes and what the root points of origin and what the root ideologies of both violence and substance abuse or drug overdose are. We know this. We're not idiots. Look at the cities. Look at the cities that have de-indexed their crimes. Look at the cities that have defunded their police. Look at the cities whose mayors have not backed their police. 
look at the cities who have allowed protesters and rioters to take over not only streets, but police precincts. Look at what we have done to the families who live in cities that have been devastated by depression after recession after recession after recession with nothing but government checks and promises from one political party that if you just rely on the government, you'll be fine. We know what happens when you marry the government as opposed to a man to raise your children. We laugh at honor and are surprised to find traitors in our midst, C.S. Lewis said. He would go on to say, you remove the organ but demand the function. You cast straight the flock and bid the geldings be fruitful. We don't need to confiscate the guns of law-abiding citizens and alter the Second Amendment of the United States. Similarly, if you want to look at what the main driver of these 90,000-plus deaths due to drug overdose in America are, the deaths that far outnumber homicides, the deaths that far outnumber gun deaths, 90% come through the border with Mexico. Does Joe Biden care? Does Kamala Harris care? I want a country. I want a country that when it goes to war, goes to war. And when it goes to war, it goes to war for the right things. I want a country that when it goes to war, it goes to war the way Alexander Hamilton said, like Hercules. Because we know how to solve these problems and win them if we want to. I want a country whose government is honest with its people. And I want a country who cares about all American lives. From all causes of death. But first and foremost... I want a country that's responsible enough to go after the first and foremost and most harmful and serious causes of death that are preventable, not acts of nature, not acts of God, not acts of novelty, acts of pure evil, which should be considered homicides as well. After all, these are our Americans, too. These are our fellow citizens, too. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. 0960. Sometimes summers can be slow and something, sometimes they can be busy. Uh, this story, it's interesting. Um, the target of it, four Iranians have been identified and arrested with trying to kidnap an American citizen, uh, an American, Masa Alinejad. She is a journalist here in America. Been on the show, I think, and uh, someone I've corresponded with a lot. 
an Iranian expat who, more than anything else, stands up for human rights of the Iranians and women's, human and women's rights. Been a longtime uh, reader and correspondent of hers, so much so that about a year ago, she did this interview, I think it was with Le Monde, but it was in French, that she posted in Twitter, and I thought her responses were so important. I spent, oh, the better part of an hour and a half. I just thought it was important stuff she was saying. I spent the better part of an, an hour and a half or two hours, remember it was a long time, uh, running her interview, which was in French, through some translating program, bit by bit, and posting it as a translatable into English interview. Uh, that's how important I think her voice is. And uh, I suppose I'm not alone if the Iranians are trying to kidnap her and smuggle her out of the country to kill her, as they have, as these four who have been arrested were charged uh, in the conspiracy uh, to kidnap her and uh, engage in other crimes was. This is a rather bold effort here. We can't think of a similar example. The only thing that comes closer is when the Iranians tried to blow up a restaurant in Georgetown circa, must have been about 20, 2011. Um, one of the things that Masa and Alinejad said, which is so, I think, interesting for our purposes, is when the Saudi regime when the Saudi regime was implicated in the death of um, of, uh, of uh, Adnan Khashoggi, the Saudi activist who wrote for the Washington Post, the whole world rose up in arms. A movie was made about him. Encomiums. Uh, Adnan, sorry, that's his uncle. Jamal Khashoggi. Jamal Khashoggi. Movie was made about him. The world was up in arms. The press went into full scale assault on the regime of Saudi Arabia for their complicity in Khashoggi's death. Will, though this plot was thwarted, the media have the same interest in Masa al-Nejad? And the answer is, of course, it will not. So let me give you how Powerline described it. Al-Reza Shavrogoshi, Farani, Mahmoud Kazen, Kia Sadegi, and Omid Nouri are each charged with conspiracy to kidnap, violate international emergency economic powers, and conspiracy to commit bank fraud, wire fraud, and money laundering. One is an intelligence official who lives in Iran, and the other three defendants work for him. His intelligence network has been plotting to kidnap Al-Najad since at least June of 2020 in an attempt to further the Iranian government's efforts to silence the journalists' criticisms of the regime. Farahani and his network are accused of employing private investigators to surveil their intended victim, the victim's household members, procuring days' worth of surveillance of the journalist's home and surrounding areas. I was watching... An interview of Masayel and Najad, and she was just simply shocked at the pictures of herself, her house, her family that the Iranian intelligence network had taken of her in preparation to kidnap her and smuggle her through Venezuela back to Iran for imprisonment. 
as Powerline continues, students of ancient history may recall various Iranian plots uncovered during the Obama administration, such as the planned assassination of the ambassador in Washington, D.C., charged in 2011. The interesting thing that's added to this story is not just that this has now happened twice, and thank God the FBI was on the case. What's additionally interesting to me is this happened under two administrations, Obama's and now Biden's, that are trying to appease Iran. They think they can come to Washington, D.C. and explode a bomb when Obama is appeasing them, of course, supporting them in the Green Revolution as well, two years prior to this effort. Joe Biden, who has already released and lifted sanctions on the Iranian regime and has already stated obvious several attempts and efforts and intents to give Iran its nuclear program, its nuclear deal back, this is when they strike or attempt to strike, interestingly enough, on the United States, isn't it? Why do I say interestingly enough? Because we've forgotten an awful lot of learning, an awful lot of learning about dealing with dictators and author- authoritarians, an awful lot of learning that used to be basic principled foreign policy 101. The more you appease a tyrant, the further you are going to not starve him but energize him. When you feed a monster, it becomes stronger, not weaker. And the Obama administration didn't know that and didn't learn it. And the Biden administration clearly hasn't learned it. Clearly has not learned it. Anyway, I'm glad uh, Masay Alenajad is safe. I am glad she continues to speak truth to power. And if you want to understand how dangerous a regime is, look at what it does, not only to its own people, but the lengths it will go to do things to its own people, including operating in the United States of America to kidnap them, transport them through Venezuela, take them back and imprison them for almost certain torture or death. Now, meanwhile, Joe Biden tells his fellow Americans as well as the world that the assault on liberty in America by Americans is never been as significant as it is now at any time since the Civil War. I promise you that's what he said. I'll give you the entire quote. It will shock you. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 34 minutes past the hour gets us John Dombrowski. He can't be closer to the heart. He is one of the biggest hearted men in uh, Arizona. John Dombrowski is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is the website. It's a lot of fun, that website. Not enough pictures of John and me together, but we attribute that to COVID, and I understand his IT and photo- photography team is working on that. 
J.D. also has a radio show right here on this station every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth. John, happy Wednesday. Hello, Seth. You, boy, you put me up there so high, i got to live up to this. Well, so. well, you know, the fact that you haven't on the website angle, that's uh, just COVID. That's That's coming out of COVID stuff, so that's, we'll have it fixed soon. All right. Yeah. Yeah, All right. yeah. We just bad. didn't want to do a lot of congregating, you, right? You, you build me up and then you you knock me down. Just to take you down. <laughs> All right, Buttercup. All right, I can handle it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think we just added that song, by the way, yeah. to our yeah, uh, bumper. Little, if I'm not mistaken, who was that? Uh, build me up, Buttercup. Who was that? Why don't build you build that? The wasn't temp- build me up. Uh, that wasn't the Buttercup. Song no, 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 no. It's um, it's the tip of my tongue. Build me up, buttercup. Build me up, but it's. Uh, I keep uh, wanting to say. Close enough. No, no, no. I want it. To, it's the foundations. I keep thinking foundations. temptations. Yeah, I kept thinking temptations. Tempt- yeah. A little different. Foundations. COVID nineteen Delta oh. variant won't derail economy. Mm-hmm. That's good news, says Goldman Sachs. And Jerome Powell gave us good news today. Yeah, it was interesting. Of course, um, that was something that many people were waiting to hear what. Fed Chair Powell was going to say, and he basically said more of the same. You know, believing that uh, this uh, inflationary spike we're seeing is most likely going to be transitory. Now, transitory to them could be three, six months. Seth, not necessarily going to end tomorrow, but uh, we as consumers are feeling it. We talk about this every day. We talked briefly, I believe it was, also about the um, Medicare Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, um, sorry, Social Security Mm -hmm. um, increase. Cost uh, of living adjustment. Cost of living adjustment. Uh, That certainly indicates that there's inflation out there. So a little bit of conflicting information. However, uh, I think the Fed has a pretty good handle on things, and I'm believing that they may be – uh, on the right side of this for right now, um, and, you know, I'll leave uh, leave my my opinion a little bit open for some change in the future. But for right now, I think uh, you know investors have somewhat of a green light again after what we just heard. One of the interesting things I was di- digging a little deeper into some of the inflation data, and one of the things that was interesting to me, and my fault for not knowing this. Is that some of these price hikes that we're experiencing depends on what you want to count it as inflation uh, against. For example, some of these prices, for example, uh, hotel and travel, evidently are still lower than they were pre-pandemic. Right. So it kind of matters when you start the measurement, right? And and what we consider to be part of an inflationary environment right. for our own personal expenditures mm-hmm. versus what the government uses as indicators is different as well. Um, and, and it's kind of funny, and I think people out there, if you want to just have some fun, go on to your favorite browser out there and uh, just ask, you know, what does the Fed look at when they consider, uh, you know, what are their inflation data points that they look at to calculate inflation? And you'll see a lot of things in there that – don't necessarily uh, or are not counted in there. And that's what's so funny about it. It's very minimal of all the things that we, we spend money on. Right. Most of them aren't part of their inflationary computation. Oh, interesting. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, John, That, but the other the other piece of good news. COVID-19. Yeah, is, the yep. Goldman Sachs analysis, the Delta variant, which they're, try, they're trying to tamp down on concerns, economic concerns over yes. it, aren't they? And the interesting thing is here, Seth, I, I believe what they're saying in this article, which is true. If, because they do have a little bit of a warning at the the last paragraph there, you know, assuming that, you know, they don't shut the the country down again or have some type of a 
um, um, a reason to slow the economy down again, everything should be okay. Uh, and I, I believe that, too. I, I can't imagine that they would have to take the steps to shut the country again like they did. Why? Because, number one, we now know what this virus is. We now know better how to treat this virus. We know how to protect ourselves. There is this uh, opportunity for everyone out there. If they want to get the vaccine, they can get this vaccine. Um, 50% of the population pretty much has already gotten the vaccine. So there are reasons that even this Delta variant should not actually uh, have anywhere near the same effect that the initial um, you know, scenario gave us. Or the year. response to yeah. it. Exactly right. It, yeah. Thank you, J.D. Yeah. Nicely put. You bet. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finra and Tippic, and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Plenty Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thanks so much, Seth. I really appreciate it. John, I appreciate it, too, and I gave you a song to travel with. All right. All right. Talk to you soon. I'm right. Seth at 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Um, Joe Biden said this yesterday about voting rights, Republican Party, and America. Bill, would you play Joe Biden from yesterday? 21st century Jim Crow assault is real. It's unrelenting. And we're going to challenge it vigorously. While there's an un folding assault taking place in America today, an attempt to suppress and subvert the right to vote in fair and free elections, an assault on democracy, an assault on liberty, an assault on who we are, who we are as Americans. For make no mistake, bullies and merchants of fear, peddlers of lies are threatening the very foundation of our country. It gives me no pleasure to say this. I never thought in my entire career I'd ever have to say it. But I swore an oath to you, to God, to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution. And that's an oath that forms a sacred trust to defend America against all threats, both foreign and domestic. My fellow Americans, Say this about him. At least he got people to uh, applaud uh, the words of the U.S. Constitution, even if he had to emphasize that the threats are primarily domestic and that's what got applause. That should frighten you. It should frighten you to hear what he said in the next paragraph. The assault on free and fair election, uh, the assault on free and fair elections is just such a threat, literally. He says literally. I've said it before. We are facing the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War. That's not hyperbole. Since the Civil War, the Confederates back then never breached the Capitol as insurrectionists did on January 6th. Um, John, let me give you an assignment. That paragraph that begins the assault on free and fair elections is just such a threat, literally. That paragraph from Joe Biden in yesterday's speech, can you find that audio for us? I'd like that audio, if John uh, can work on that. The assault on free and fair elections, that part. It, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's about uh, three-quarters towards the end of the speech. The assault on free and fair elections is just such a threat. That is to say, domestic a threat. Literally. 
I've said it before, we are facing the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War. That's not hyperbole. Since the Civil War, the Confederates back then never breached the Capitol as insurrectionists did on January the 6th. Now, you'll recall Abraham Lincoln called Civil War, um, uh, the, Civil, uh, the Civil War Confederates insurrectionists. You will see here that Joe Biden is trying to make what happened on January 6th look worse than the Civil War, which goes right along with all the historical revisionism the Democrats have invested in. We're facing the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War. That's not hyperbole. Since the Civil War, really? Since the Civil War, we are facing the most significant test of our democracy, not the constitutional crises that we were told we were engaged in, not the impeachments, not the impeachment of Bill Clinton, certainly not the internment of 120,000 Japanese, not Jim Crow before 1964, not before the Brown versus Board of uh, Education decision of 1954. Uh, the Palmer raids, the idea that we have not faced a more significant test of our democracy since the Civil War and that the Confederates, at least the Confederates back then, never breached the Capitol as insurrectionists did on January the 6th. No, they only killed upwards of 350,000 Americans in the name of protecting slavery. But Joe Biden's trying to put, as all the Democrats are, January 6th on par, if not worse than the Confederacy. You can do this, as C.S. Lewis reminded us, once you distort history. The purpose of distorting history, the purpose of distorting history is to make people subject to propaganda. This is propaganda. This is propaganda. Now, You have to read what Joe Biden does very clearly. You have to read it very closely because then he goes on to say, we did it in 2020, the battle for the soul of America. Democracy prevailed, our constitution held, we have to do it again. You do understand what he's saying here, right? Voting Democrat, voting for the Democratic Party, voting for the Democrats is how you win the battle for our Constitution and the battle for democracy. That is how you deal with enemies that are foreign and, as he said, domestic. There is an unfolding assault taking place in America, he said. An unfolding assault on democracy, liberty, on who we are as Americans. Bullies, merchants of fear, peddlers of of lies are threatening the very foundation of our democracy. They are domestic terrorists, and we haven't faced such a significant test since the Civil War, where at least the Confederates never breached the Capitol. Okay. The Civil War Confederates had an army a little bit bigger than 450. And while they may not have breached the Capitol, at least some of us who read the history books still know what the Civil War was about and who was on what side. I'll take this moment to remind, as I continually find myself needing to do, that if you want to read that our founding was based in racism, If you want to read that our founding was based on the interest 
of expand, protecting and expanding slavery. If you want to read our founders as having written a constitution designed to protect that quote-unquote peculiar institution, if you look to the Civil War, there was, as you know, two sides, and there was one side that believed that. The side that you hear from BLM today, the side that you hear from Antifa today, the side that you hear from Kamala Harris today about the racist intentions and the pro-slavery extensions in the Constitution that the 1619 Project teaches about and that critical race theory teaches about and that the squad talks about. There was a side in the Civil War that believed it. It was the Confederate side. They thought all of that was true, which is why they fought to protect slavery. They thought they were on the right side by having and protecting slavery because they thought our founding protected it. There was another side, a bigger side, a winning side. Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, Ulysses Grant, and the North that did not think the founders thought that, which is what I think. Joe Biden wanna be, may want to be a little more careful in citing to the Confederacy. After all, his side keeps talking. We may just find a lot more posthumous Confederate supporters in America. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Dustin is in Phoenix. Hi, Dustin. Hey, how are you doing? Tom? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I was just uh, listening to your uh, talk about the Biden speech there, and I noticed there was one thing you didn't catch, and that was the portion where he quotes Joseph Stalin as in stating that Counts or the, who vote that count? It's the people who count the vote. Yes, right. Uh, Biden mentioned that. Right. It's not. It's it's not who votes. It's who counts the votes. And that's very uh, Marxist, right there. And you know, it's a shame that people in you know America are not you know paying attention to what's going on with the. And, you know, the status quo that we're facing, but, you know, brings up the question or brings up the point, you know, with the audits going on right now is, you know, what's going to happen? Project win this election. Yeah, no, uh, you're cutting out just a little bit, Dustin, so I apologize. But um, let me let me let me say, I think it's all on the table right now. It's all on the table. Because if they think that the broad assault against voting rights is coming uh, from Republicans who are engaging in an assault on our democracy, an assault on our democracy, an assault on our liberty, an assault on who we are as Americans for, for being bullies, merchants of fear and peddlers of lies, Joe Biden's words, why would you want anyone in a party of that? Why would it be legitimate for anyone in a party of that like that to be involved in vote counting? Why would you allow officers of the state to be merchants of fear and peddlers of lies who are threatening the very foundation of our country? This is why we get so darn gosh, gosh darn nervous when they paint Republicans as 
assaulting democracy, assaulting liberal, li- assaulting liberty, and assaulting who we are as Americans. When he calls Republicans bullies and merchants of fear, and peddlers of our of lies that are threatening the very foundation of the country, why would you let anyone of that party of that group who believes in that stuff anywhere near the levers of power? Why would you give them free speech? Why would you let them spread? That assault on who we are as Americans on social media or anywhere. You know, we've had arguments about what constitutes a domestic terror organization. You will not hear anything about MS-13 or the Iranians who tried to kidnap someone on American soil or anything about the Cuban government. So harsh from Joe Biden as you heard about Republicans from him yesterday.